We're in a series called Uncommon, and this is the last week of this series, James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 13. We've been looking at the book of James, and we are now in the final week of this. Is any among you suffering? Let him praise. Anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick or heal the sick or restore the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective and fervent prayer of the righteous man or woman avails much. Elijah, we think of the great prophet Elijah. He was, he was a man just like us. He had the same nature as ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The prayer of the righteous person avails much. Let's talk about the prayer of the righteous, the prayer of the righteous. Father, I pray you speak now. I pray you still our hearts, and I pray you would anoint us to hear and to obey. Let the word become flesh in our hearts and in our lives. I pray even right now that you would just calm every heart to hear the word of the Lord. Speak now, Lord. We're listening in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen and amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him I'm praying for you. Let him know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Look at somebody else. Look at one more person. Tell him I'm praying for you. I'm praying. You need prayer. <laughs> you, you need prayer. I'm praying. I'm praying for you. So James has been writing to his church. This is Pastor James writing to the church in Jerusalem and he's now finishing his letter by calling the people to relationship. He is calling them vertically to God and horizontally to each other. He is calling them to pray and he's calling them to confess. This word confess simply means to tell the truth, to say the same thing, to, to be open and honest with somebody. So James is calling the church to maturity and in calling the church to maturity, he knows that they're only going to mature to the level of their relationships. And friend, you're only going to be able to grow in your life to the level of your relationships, both vertically with God and horizontally with others. And so he now calls the people to God and he calls the people to each other. He calls them to pray and he calls them to confess and I believe that today we're going to grow up because we're going to grow in these two areas. Firstly, we must go to God. James calls the people to go to God. Is any one of you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Any one of you sick? Call for the leaders of the church to pray for him. Here's, here's what James is saying. He's saying no matter your circumstance and no matter your season, go to God. Because he knows that in our immaturity, and the whole book is about maturity, he knows that in our immaturity, we usually have a bent one of two ways. Here's what I mean. For some of you, you're only here today because you're going through hell. You screwed up big time this week, or 
you lost a job this week or you got in a big fight with your spouse this week and you're like, I got to get to God, man. I got to get to the house of God, man. I, gotta, I need a miracle. That's why some of you are here. Uh, others, though, they go through a tough time and they walk away from God. They get disappointed, frustrated, and they're out. Others of you, man, life is so good right now. And you're like, man, I said to come to church to give God the glory. That's awesome. Other people, though, life gets good and they get lazy. All of a sudden, they get too busy to go to church and to serve, and they just, they just go a different way. Here's what James is saying. No matter your circumstance, good or bad, go to God. Going through hell, go to God. Feels like heaven on earth, go to God. Happy, go to God. Sick, go to God. Everything awesome, go to God. On a high mountaintop, go to God. In a low valley, go to God. James is saying you know you're mature when your seeking of God is not determined by circumstance. So he's saying no matter the season and no matter the circumstance, seek. Go to God. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things. We all got things. Things we're praying about, things we're worried about, things we're believing for, things we're dreaming about, things will be added unto you. See, Matthew 6.33 is a response to earlier verses, and the response is about worry. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to live. Don't, don't worry about these things because everybody worries about those things. Instead of worrying, seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so if you're worried, that means there is somewhere in your life where there is chaos and you are out of order. Because wherever I seek first the kingdom, there is no more worry. Because order drives out worry and order drives out chaos. Ooh, preach, Jabin. All right, I'm trying. <laughs> seek first. Now, this is not numerical. This isn't Jesus is number one, Shannon's number two, my daughter Goldie's number three, church is number four, golf is number five, I never get to golf, I never get there, but you know, number five, no, 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 that's not how this is. Don't, don't think numerical, think foundational. It's not that Jesus is number one in a long list, but Jesus is the foundation in which my whole life revolves around. Jesus is the cornerstone, the Bible called him, the chief cornerstone. The scripture calls him the rock on which we build our life. He's foundation. I want you to see it like this. Remember that in heaven, Jesus will be on the throne in the center of heaven. So heaven is not this long hallway, and he's at, this is not Game of Thrones. This is not, this is not your favorite medieval show. This is not Jesus at the very end. This is Jesus at the center and all of heaven revolves around him, which means we all have equal access. And he's foundation. Now see, we don't, we don't appreciate foundations, but foundations are everything. More important than your air conditioner in Las Vegas in the summer is the foundation of your house. More important than the windows and the doors is the foundation. More important than the walls and the roof is your foundation. Because if you don't have a strong foundation, eventually that wall collapses. Eventually that house collapses. Eventually your life collapses. So when Jesus is first, it's not just that he's A. Oh. 
The Bible calls him Alpha and Omega. A and Z. First and last. That means that he's not just first. He's everything. He's also B. He's also Q. He's also T. He's also R. He's also Y. He's everything in between. He's my foundation. And if I ignore the foundation, eventually my walls fall. So I got to make Jesus first in foundation. This was amazing to me. We bought this land and then we had to go to the county and we had to test the dirt to make sure that the dirt could handle the weight of the building. And they said, is it going to be able to handle the weight of the building? I said, of course, it's dirt. It's good. <laughs> Dirt's dirt. And they said, no, 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 we got to go, we got to go beyond the surface. Because what you see doesn't really matter. It's what you don't see that really matters. You know that the Apostle Paul said, your life is either going to be wood, hay, and stubble. That's all above the ground. Or it's going to be gold, silver, and precious stone. That's all below the ground. And anything above the ground is going to be consumed by the all-consuming fire of God. It's only what is below, deep, that you never see, but that God sees that really matters. God said it like this. Everyone's looking at the appearance. God's looking at the heart. We're all judging above. God's judging below. And so Clark County said, I know the dirt looks right, but we got to make sure the foundation's strong enough to handle that big of a building. So I said, well, let me go get a shovel. Let me check. No, 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 no. And they dug 50 feet because the higher we wanted that building, the stronger the foundation. And a lot of you want to go higher, but you don't want to dig deep. Lord, make me a millionaire. Could you handle that? Could you for real handle that? Because you get any kind of spending money and you get in trouble. Lord, bless me. Can you handle it? Because a lot of y'all are praying for walls and roofs and air conditioners and paintings and paint and flooring. And God's going, I'm trying to work on something 50 feet below. I'm trying to become foundational for you so that no matter what happens in your life, it can be sustained. You cannot be sustained by circumstance. You must be sustained by foundation. Because a good season will deceive you into thinking you're untouchable. And a bad season will deceive you and tell you there's no more hope. But when your life is built on the rock that is Christ Jesus, when I go to God, nothing can shake me. Anybody grateful for the foundation that is? Come on, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But when I build my life on the rock, I become steadfast and unmovable. In my service to the Lord. Sit down, you're scaring the new people. Hold on. Let me preach a little bit. Let me preach a little bit. Have you stand in a second. Number, number two. Number two, you got to tell a friend. 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 So he says, first go to God. But number two, he says, you got to confess to somebody. Again, this word confess, don't, don't think, you know, Catholic confessional. or Don't, don't try to grab me after service. Jay, but I need to tell you my deepest, darkest secret. That's not it. It, it literally means tell, say the same thing. In other words, tell the truth. Let me say it like this. You got to keep it real with somebody. Somebody. Not your Instagram stories. 
Not your Facebook page. Not your TikTok account. But somebody, somebody has to know the real you. Does anybody know the real you? Let me talk to the men real quick because it is Father's Day and I think in the genius of the Holy Spirit, God knew what he was doing when he told us to do this series because I didn't know it was going to land on this week. But I think it's amazing, us men, we don't, we don't want to talk. We don't want to talk to anybody. We don't want to talk about anything. And we bottle everything up. And we, and we tell ourselves, I'm not emotional. Well, let me just prove to you that you are emotional. We are, we are more addicted than women. We are more suicidal than women, and we are more depressed than women. But we say we're not emotional. We are, we just don't let it out, and we hold it in. And that's why men are so broken, and that's why men explode in either anger or lust or depression. Because it's in us, but we never get it out. And, and in the genius of the Holy Ghost, 2,000 years ago, James says, you better talk to somebody because your healing is dependent on your confession. This is why, this is why, by the way, this is why I'm always trying to get y'all to talk in church. Come on, shout. Come on, spin. Come on, jump. Come on, roll around on the ground. Come on, poke your neighbor, neighbor in the eye and tell them we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, something like <laughs> Come on, scream, shout hallelujah, say amen. You're like, Jamin, why do I got it? Because you never talk. And, and for a lot of us, man, we're trying, we're trying to hold back. So it's like I'm trying not to scream at my wife, and I'm trying not to yell at my kids, and I'm not trying to run that dude off the road, and I'm trying not to punch my boss. And, I'm, and, so we're, and we just keep pushing, and we just keep pushing, and we just keep pushing. And so it, there's actually just something good about getting in church and going, ah! And we think you're praising God, but you, I'm just trying to get you to do anything. That's why I like you. I like you going to the Knights games. Let's go, champions. I like that. I, I like you yelling on the golf course. I like that. I, I like you playing pickleball and throwing, throwing a racket every once in a while. I like that because it's, it's just good that we actually express every once in a while. And it's good to come into the house. See, the Bible said it is good for the, for the godly to worship, for the upright to worship. The Old Testament uh, in, the, in the King James says it's comely, which means you look good doing it. It's, it's beautiful to worship. It's, it's, good to pr- it's good to shout and to holler and to sing off key because it's not just spiritual. There's actually something emotional and physical when a man of God lifts his hands and goes, I'll trust in God. And you may not sound good on earth, but in heaven, you sound real good. And God loves when men praise God. And God loves when men shout. And God loves when men sing. And God loves when men make some noise. It's good for you to praise. Let's take a praise break real quick. Come on, shout somebody. It looks good on you to praise. I feel foolish. It looks good in the spirit. You might look dumb in the natural, but you look handsome in the spirit. I am going to tell somebody. (laughs) Who are you talking to? Who are you confessing to? Who are you opening up with? See, this word, confess, be, be honest about your trespasses, the Bible said. Trespasses, trespasses, trespasses. Now, I grew up in rural New Mexico. Valencia County, we were hunters and gatherers. (sighs) 
And we were always looking for fishing spots and hunting spots to kill things. Sorry. All the vegetarians. Sorry. That's just how, we, that's how I was raised. And so we, uh, we were always looking, where, where, where could we hunt and where could we fish and where could we go? And, and, and usually the places we wanted to go were private property. So you would, you would pull up to this beautiful field that you just knew there were pheasant in the field. And you would drive up and sure enough there would be a sign, no trespassing. It would be illegal for you to go across that boundary. See, sin is spiritually illegal in the kingdom of God. Because you go into places that put you in danger. You don't have a legal right to that space. Therefore, whoever owns that space can defend himself. So anytime a believer enters into the kingdom of darkness, you're now open to hell's domain. This is why you can't be cute and casual with sin, with lust, with hate, with unforgiveness, with greed, with pride, with whatever it may be. Because you're trespassing on places that you don't have an authority in. See, and in New Mexico... You, you walk into somebody's land with guns, they're going to come talk to you with guns. And they'll figure out the bodies later because that's how, that's how it's New Mexico. Here's my point. You, you got to be careful with trespasses. This word trespass means to wander. It's like, it's like when you're driving and, you're, and your car just kind of starts wandering into the lane next to you. Now, now, here's what James said. James did not say, stop trespassing, sinner. If you were more spiritual, you would never trespass. That's not what he said, huh? What did he say? Confess your trespass. This means that when you feel your heart start to wander, talk to somebody. See, this is good. This is good news. And you better have somebody in your life that you can go, my heart's wandering. I'm starting, I'm starting to go places I know I'm not supposed to see because the psalmist said that the boundary lines that God set for me, they're pleasant. And this means when I break out of God's boundary, it's not that God's approved. It's not that God is in a bad mood. It's not that God doesn't want us to experience joy. It's that he knows that everything outside of the boundaries is a counterfeit. Therefore, when my heart starts to wander, I better start confessing. When my heart starts to wander, my mouth better start confessing. Because you don't get back without somebody grabbing you and getting you back on the other side. Can I get an amen, somebody? So, so don't, don't beat yourself up for wandering. Don't beat yourself up for trespassing. But you better talk to somebody about your trespasses. Confess it. Acknowledge it. Engage in it is what it's saying. See, 1 John 1, 9 says, confess your sin to God. He'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I go to God for forgiveness. But James 5 says, confess to you for healing. This means that I go to God for forgiveness, but I go to you for healing. And I know a lot of sick saints who are trying to work things out with Jesus, but they're not inviting anybody into the process for healing. And James is saying, you can't get healed alone. 
Is this all right? In a, in, a, in a Christian culture of I don't need the church and I don't need anybody and I don't like the church and church her and Christians are worse than unbelievers and man, man, all I need is Jesus and James going, uh-uh, you need somebody. You better talk to somebody. You better have somebody in your corner. You better have somebody to process with. You better have somebody to be real with. So, so check this out. This is what James says over 2,000 years ago. This is what the Holy Spirit says 2,000 years ago. But now look what research has confirmed. It's confirmed that when you have close friendships, there is less loneliness and less social isolation in your life. There is reduced stress, emotional support, personal development, a sense of belonging, and support through challenges. Now the research is confirming what the scripture said all along, that two are better than one. That it's not good for a man to be alone. That you've got to have somebody to talk with. Check this out. Those who have at least five friends in their life who they can share their troubles with so that they can actually be real with. If you can just have five. Somebody say, just five. five. Say, just a handful. Okay, you don't need 50, you don't need 100, you don't need a million, you don't, you don't need to be popular. You just need a couple of people. You just need to be able to think about a couple of people that you could call if you were in trouble. If you have at least five friends that you can call when you're in trouble, they found that these people are 60% happier than those who do not have a support system. Think about it. I'm going to keep going. In a landmark study by Holt Lonstad of Brigham Young University, he conducted a meta-analysis and found that having a few close friends, just a few close friends, was more important for health outcomes like high blood pressure, heart disease, depression, and cancer. Having a few close friends was more important to health outcomes than diet and exercise. Oh, come on, we're going to Raising Cane's after this service. Come on, somebody. As long as you go with a friend, it's, it's health food. It's like going to Whole Foods. All right, yeah, we're all trying to eat right, right? We're all trying to exercise. But, here, but the health study shows that you need friends. That when you're isolated, it's going to make you sick. He said not having friends. Check out this mind-blowing Phrase, not having friends was on par with smoking 15 cigarettes a day. You better have somebody. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and James says, you better talk to someone so you can be healed. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, every area of your life, your health is connected to your relationships. Let me go a little bit further now. Let me talk to the married people who are trying to make it work, and let me talk to the single people that want to get married. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? Is this okay? Is everyone nervous? You're like, do relationships in February. (laughs) We don't care right now. No, here we are. If you want a happy marriage, creating a solid friendship first is crucial. Oh, man, she's just so hot, and, and man, we just can't keep our hands off each other, and we're both trying to honor God, so we're just going to go get married. Idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. You're, you're, fool. you're a fool. Because sex is over, in a, in a culture that worships sex, let me just tell you something, sex is overrated. No, we worship sex in our culture. 
It's, it's, the, it's the epitome of pleasure, but it's overrated. All right, let me just read from Gallup since you don't like me entering my own little stuff in here. <laughs> Studies have shown that being friends with your spouse before taking or friends with the person before taking the relationship sexually is more important than physical intimacy. And building a friendship in marriage is more important than sexual intimacy. Now, he's not saying sex isn't important. Sex is important. It's a big deal. It's especially a big deal for men. No man's going to say amen, but ladies, if you're, what do I get my husband for Father's Day? <laughs> it's free. <laughs> it's free. That's, that's all he wants. <laughs> it's all he wants. Okay, anyway. So, so it is important, but it's not everything. And when you try to build a relationship on sex, it's, it's not a, sex cannot be the foundation for a relationship. Let me go further. In fact, Barker writes, 70% of couples' marital satisfaction is due to their friendship. Can you, can, can you even talk? Can you have a relationship? That's what you need to be asking. And those who consider their spouse their best friend get twice as much life satisfaction from marriage than those who don't. Think about it. Think about this research, and we go back 2,000 years to a scripture that says, I hope you're talking to somebody. We go back 4,000 years. Two is better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Think about it. A man who has friends is like a protected city. Think about it. Those who are isolated are in danger. Think about, think about all these ancient scriptures that are now proven scientifically. You better have a friendship. You better have some friends in your life. You, you, you cannot be isolated and healed. You cannot be isolated and healthy. So if you're single and you're looking to mingle, it better be more than attraction. Because there's hot people everywhere. So who cares? There better be, can we talk? Can we, like, can we laugh with each other? Not, oh, I can't keep my hands off him. Can I, can I keep my hands off of him? And can we actually talk? Is there actual interest? Are we going in the same direction? I'm telling you, it's a big deal. And for you who are married, it's time to build that friendship. You got to work on it. I, I would say for most married people in this room, your marriage is not hopeless. You just got to work on the friendship. It's the friendship that's lacking. Wow. All right, point number two. Huge fail. Huge fail. Let's go to point number three. Let me have the... <laughs> Am I helping you? Is that okay? Am I helping you? Come on up, guys. Thanks, sis. Who said that? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. You don't have to tithe today. You're good. I'm going to let you have a free week. We'll name the new land after you. Um, lastly, call on Jesus. Everybody say, call on Jesus. 
Turn, turn, turn to your neighbor and say, you need to pray more. Tell them that. You need to pray more. You need to pray more. You need to pray more. Watch this, y'all. The prayer of the righteous availeth much. And we don't believe that anymore because it's 2023 and we have technology and we have money and we got iPhones and we got all this stuff. But let me tell you something. There is still power in prayer and the modern world still needs the ancient timeless practice of prayer. Prayer avails much. Prayer will do more than arguing. Prayer will do more than fighting. Prayer will do more than debating. Prayer will do more than anything we can do in the natural because when I do it on my own, I can only do the best I can do. But when I pray, God does the best he can do. And prayer still avails much. And let me tell you something. City Light is always going to be a praying church. We're not going to get away from prayer. We're not going to be cooler than prayer. We're not going to psychoanalyze our life all the time. We're going to believe God for the divine intervention of heaven. We still believe in prayer. We believe that the prayers of the righteous, we believe that the prayers of the saints go up to heaven and change the earth. Elijah was just like you, and he was just like me. He had the same passions. He had the same God, and he had the same devil, and he had to live with the same kind of body. But here's the difference between Elijah and the church of 2023, Elijah prayed. What made Elijah different in his generation? Prayer. See, we read the Old Testament. We read 1 Kings, the stories of Elijah, and we go, wow, Elijah did miracles because he was a prophet. No, 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 I disagree. James disagrees. James tells us he prophesied because he prayed. And we think he did prophecy and miracles because he was a prophet. But James tells us he did miracles and prophesied because he prayed. So it was not his gifting. It was his prayer life. It was not some supernatural calling. It was his prayer life. It was not his destiny. It was his prayer life. Because Elijah was a man of God. And the difference between a man of God and other people is not that God chose them. God chooses all of us. It's that a man of God chooses God. It's not your gifting. It's your prayers. It's not your calling. It's your prayers. It's not your talent. It's your prayers. Here's what researchers tell us. That if we'll do anything 18 minutes a day for one year, you become part of the top five percentile in that area. If you bought a drum set today and played that drum set 18 minutes a day for the next year, you could be up here. I'm not musical. No, you would train your hands to be musical. I'm not saying you'd be TJ. But I'm saying you would be good enough because you'd be part of the top five percentile in drummers in the world. So I bought a piano. I bought a piano. I'm playing the piano 18 minutes a day. And I'm just running my scales. And this is really boring. I'm just learning chords. But give me a year. In one year, I'll be back there. I'll let Omar and Jay preach. I'm going to be back here. I'm going to be playing piano. Because it's, it's not about gifting. It's about 18 minutes. 
It's not about being a prodigy. It's about giving God time. It's about giving yourself time. It's about carving out time for a long period of time that changes your life. Can I ask somebody, can anybody give God 18 minutes a day? Can anyone give 18 minutes a day to God to become a spiritual warrior, to become an intercessor, to change a generation? Not an hour a day, not 18 hours a day. God says, can I get 18 minutes a day? Could City Light give God 18 minutes a day to see this city turned around? Prayer, prayer over gifting, prayer over talent, prayer over pedigree, prayer over background, prayer over circumstance, prayer over looks, prayer over gender, prayer over race, prayer over money, prayer over education. When you pray, and when you pray, God sends the rain. And when you pray, God does miracles. And when you pray, there's rains of abundance, rains of provision, and rains of refreshing. Call unto me. Jeremiah 33, 3. Don't you dare sit down. I'm going to have church right now. Stand up on your feet. The, watch this, watch this. Call unto me. You're like, why are we standing? This is the sermon part. Because we're different. The, the... Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things thou knowest not. Watch this. That means that there are things we don't know. I don't know if you can admit that, but I can. There's things I don't know. I don't know how to build that building. I don't know how to raise a six-year-old in this generation. I don't know how to do a lot that God's telling me to do. So you know what he did? He said, pray. Because there's things you don't know that I will not show you unless you talk to me. Thou knowest not. You don't know it, but when you pray, God says, I reveal it. Your destiny is hidden in prayer. Your calling's hidden in prayer. Your success is hidden in prayer. The marriage you want is hidden in prayer. The way to raise your kids is hidden in prayer. Not in education, not in money, in prayer. Daniel prayed and God shut the mouth of a lion. Elijah prayed and fire fell from heaven. Jonah prayed and God had mercy. Hezekiah prayed and God granted him 14 more years. Moses prayed and God turned the bitter water sweet. Paul and Silas prayed and the prison doors were open. Can somebody give God 18 minutes a day? 18 minutes to change a generation. 18 minutes to call that prodigal child back into the kingdom of God. 18 minutes to heal a marriage. 18 minutes to dry up cancer. 18 minutes to prosper your business. 18 minutes to turn a city that's called Sin City into a move of God. Pray! And when you pray, God rips open the heavens and it's not because you're a prophet and it's not because you're a pastor. And it's not because you come from the right background. And it's not because you're a man or a woman. It's because you prayed. I want to call every man to prayer. I want every man who's feeling this sermon right now, I want you to meet me right down here at this altar. Get out of your seat and meet me down here. Javen, I want to become a man of prayer. Meet me down here. I want to be a man of God. Meet me down here. Every man of God. 
Every father, every son, every brother, every uncle, every grandfather, come right down to this center part. Get right here, get right here. I wanna be a man of God. I wanna pray. I wanna pray and see heaven open. I wanna pray and see people healed. I wanna pray and see my workplace changed. I wanna be salt and I wanna be light. God, make me a man of God. committing my life to prayer. I'm committing my life to a dependence on God. I'm, I'm, I'm committing my life to a life on my knees. Not a life of macho, ego. I can do it on my own. No, a life on my face where I say, God, if you don't do this, if you don't show up, if you don't show out, if you don't answer this prayer, it ain't happening. That's the kind of life we I want every man down here to lift your hands. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. I pray for you right now in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And I declare there's a prayer mantle coming on you. There's a prayer mantle coming on you that's going to change a generation. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your children. It's going to change your marriage. It's going to change your money. It's going to change how you see God. It's going to change how you see yourself. It's going to change how you see your calling. It's going to change. God will do it. God says, call on me, talk to me. If you'll talk to me, I'll talk back to you. If you'll talk to me, I'll talk back to you. If you'll talk to me, I'll talk back to you. And God's going to put a grace on you to pray. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord and he heard. This is going to be your testimony. I sought the Lord. Gentlemen, this is going to be your story. I sought the this Lord is gonna be your story. And he heard and he answered. That's why I trust you. Now, ladies, it's for you too, so you sing it too. Come on, I, I sought the Lord. The Lord.